It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. I can't, I can't see us, though. But maybe we don't want to see ourselves then. Consequence Podcast Network. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I've never been this nervous in my life. Greetings from Longtime No See the Podcast. Every week we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on. A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my god, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. And welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with it's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org, Consequence, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks as always for making your way here, checking out the series, the episode. I do hope you subscribe because when you do, you get three new interviews sent to you every single week. It's a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones, all the usual spots, including a Spotify and Apple podcast at nprwfpk.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from, you can subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Uh, some of my recent guests on here have included, uh, let's see, Barry Manilow, uh, Adina Menzel, Corey Finley. He directed Landscape with Invisible Hand. We had the uh, the team behind the Netflix movie They Clone Tyrone. That's uh, Jewel Taylor and Tony Rettenmeyer. Uh, Madison Beer was here. Uh, the cast of Heart of Stone with Gal Gadot. We had uh, Fosia, Bethany Cosentino from Best Coast. Uh, Victony, uh, not even to mention uh, the 800th episode special that just happened a few weeks ago. That included a monster roster of guests. Uh, Josh Homme, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Suki Waterhouse, Janelle Monet, Keanu Reeves, Rob Lowe, and Monica Bellucci. Those are just some of the recent episodes you get when you subscribe to the Kyle Meredith With podcast. And that's me, Kyle Meredith. Today, I get to talk with The Hives. They are back with a brand new record called The Death of Randy Fitzsimmons. It's their first album in 11 years. I've got Hallam Pele and Nicholas Arson here to tell us about how depressing it was to not have any new material for that long, um, how this LP might speak to their 30th anniversary, which is this year, and the desire to keep creating music that feels more like youth than maturity. Uh, the Swedish rocker is also going to give us the stories behind songs uh, Bogus Operandi and The Bomb. We'll hear about them playing a 110-degree show in Italy and getting a major compliment about their live show from the drums. All that and more as we discuss the death of Randy Fitzsimmons. It's Kyle Meredith with The Hives. Hey! Hello. Good to see you, man. And thanks for the praise. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's I meant it, too. Um, 
the world missed the hives, uh, at least new music from you guys. And I know you haven't totally gone away with the shows and everything, but this new record, The Death of Randy Fitzsimmons, it's so good. Maybe it's just because we haven't heard you in a minute. Maybe it's because this is exactly what I needed to hear right now. But this has been such a shot of adrenaline uh, to my ears. So first off, thank you and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's awfully nice of you. And exactly what I think we tried to achieve for the record to pass bypass the brain and go straight to the adrenal system <laughs> <laughs> you've done it well so what i mean what does it mean though i know there's been a lot of talk about it but i think every band hits that point maybe that you know some extra time passes and it gets longer in between the albums what what starts ramping back up what are the conversations that begin with this record that's like my god we have to have something new well, we, I think we wanted something new the entire time. We didn't have something new, and that was depressing. Uh, but uh, it was, for millions of reasons, just not possible, I guess. But, yeah, it does feel that when, when, you, when we were younger, we saw other bands doing it, like famously, you know, waiting for Chinese democracy by Guns N' Roses or so. But we're only like a few years better than that now, which seems insane. Back then, it's like 13 years, like, that's like five band, whole band careers, but and it goes by in a flash. Maybe Axel will agree. <laughs> Luckily, this is a lot better than Chinese Democracy. And I'm not even knocking that album. I'm just saying that this is... <laughs> I, gotta, I remember a few... I had its moments, I think. <laughs> I think there's probably been 10 versions of it, though. So maybe there was a, a sweet spot like a couple of years before we released it when it was really good. It's possible. Well, that's always the thing, though, with, with, with making a record, too. Is it, it is knowing... It's knowing where that sweet spot is. I mean, I think there was an interview with uh, with uh, with your producer Patrick Berger, who who had just mentioned like there were lots and lots of demos, and and you have to figure out which songs, and and that seems like it's definitely overcooked, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that that seems like a scary. Mo I would think it's not scary, but like having to make those decisions when you've got lots of songs to choose from it's not like your first album maybe where you're like all right these are the songs these are the songs it's like suddenly it's like now you've owned your craft now you've been around a while now you know how to be a songwriter and maybe you have a hundred songs how do you find the 12 i mean in the past we never really had much extra it was pretty much what was on the album was all that we had finished but i guess this is different and a lot of those you know what he talks about all those demos are not finished but you got to figure out which ones to finish but yeah it's not that has been yeah, part of the problem i think yeah, I, the songs have to kind of complement each other in a way that you know that the record sort of travels in a way it has to go from one type of song to another and they all have to make up an album and kind of make each other better yeah if you if you pick the right ones then you can make all the songs can you know be slightly better just by the sequencing, really. And then uh, a record will be, I don't know, kind of more rewarding to listen to in a way. It just makes me wonder, are there those songs that are just so left-filled out there? It's like, that doesn't sound anything like this record. Uh, there's probably songs there that don't sound anything. But I also think, like, What Did I Ever Do Do kind of doesn't sound like the rest of the record, you know. And that's one of the more out there things that existed in this whole kind of, chunk of, of music uh, unorganized music that you know later be ended up in a funnel and ended up on the album there were a lot of things going into it that didn't make it through the whole process yeah and i think maybe even songs that would be considered kind of left field would be if you put them in the right sequence and they make up a great album 
then it will sound cohesive regardless, you know. You'll end up with, uh, with a product that sounds like it's like it was always meant to be. That's kind of the, uh, the feeling that you're going. And we'll be right back right after this. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky, in the Midwest, and allergies... Yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice. It affects my mood. It affects everything. And I feel like I've tried every, I've tried all the medicines. Some of them work better than others, but there's there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. It's what I use now and it's definitely changed my life. Astapro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Uh, Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose and sneezing. With all the pollen in the air, with all the dust around the the corners of the house, uh, even with uh, the allergies I have from my dog, Astapro has been the nasal spray that has helped me with all of my allergies. And it can help you too. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with The Hives. What did you all want this record then? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe it just comes naturally. But but at some point, once you start to kind of feel like what the record's going to be, do you then have that thought that what you want this record to sound like, what this record might represent? Because it's not only you know the first record in maybe a decade, but this also lands on what's, I think, technically the 30th anniversary year as well. I mean, do, do you find that it gets to speak to that moment? In in a way, I guess. I mean, even if it's unintentional, it kind of does. Like the album is kind of a celebration of like, you know, life in a way. Or like, uh, you know, that it feels like, like you said, like a shot of adrenaline. It's supposed to just kind of have this insane euphoric like feeling to it. And I guess that's like a, what we always were trying to do. So in that way, I think it celebrates the legacy of the band in a good way. That it's not like. Oh, an adult kind of sentimental or looking back on the Golden Days record, which was it has to feel like now, I think. And that's what we always tried to make the music sound like. 
yeah, it's not really an anniversary record in any way. I mean, it's it's not an it's not an anniversary record celebrating the third third year of existence, and it's not really a, a, an anniversary record celebrating eleven years since we met a record last. None of those things are. It's just the record. It's just a new record. So I mean, we wanted to come out with a with a record that's you know a complete banger. You know, come out of the come out of the gate running. I also don't think we we think that staying together for a long time is really a badge of honor in rock and roll. I mean, it's hard to do, but it doesn't mean that it's better. Rock and roll is like a weird thing where you can be, be the best at it when you've never done it before. You know, there are like amateurs that make one song at fifteen that's like almost better than anything we've done after thirty years of trying. You know, so it's not. It doesn't like. Time in the game is not really that doesn't decide how good it is at all. So we have to keep trying, you know. We have to keep our tools sharp and you know feel excited about it. Otherwise, like you can't just park yourself and just stay together for a long time. I don't think that counts really. Yeah. Making good records and touring is way more important. You know, being together in a ship band for 30 years is <laughs> I guess less rewarding. Being in a good band is is rewarding in itself. I think that's not... why we don't want to celebrate anniversaries because it's not like that's not the point. Like the point of the time spent is is it good or not? It's so funny how reverse it is. Like if you're if if you're a plumber and you work for 30 years you're a better plumber. But there's that <laughs> idea that if you're a rock and roller for 30 years that you, you people like your people tend to like your new music less in, in, for some reason, you know, and, and I think there's a lot of psychology that goes into that too, but that's, it is, it is funny just how reverse it is. And what, and, and Pele, what's that, that quote that's floating around that there's no maturity or any of that bullshit because who the fuck wants mature yeah. rock and roll? <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't, that's not what I think the hype should be doing. I, I guess I like some mature rock and roll uh, as in like a dire straits or I can get down with that, but it's, there's enough of that. Because rock and roll has been around for a long time. So there's a lot of mature rock and roll. I think what we were missing or not, you know, was the kind of immature feeling of being a teenage idiot kind of. And I think you still get to decide to do that even as you age. You can still keep a part of that in you. And I think that's good for, it's good for you. You, know? you got to be that person sometimes. It's just and at the crossroads, it's either or. Either you go down you know, immature rock and roll or mature rock and roll. There was just something that felt so depressing about the hives coming back after 11 years. Adults. <laughs> it just felt like, like come back like parrots, you know. Right. Here's your mid-tempo acoustic record. That's a, yeah. yeah. And also be like, here's what you should and shouldn't do and like give people advice or whatever. You don't get smarter as you age or you don't get wise. It's not, you know, you might be wiser when you're 20 sometimes. It's the same thing. It, I, uh, it's not linear like that. I think about a, a quote that um, uh, Black Francis from the Pixies, Charles, uh, what he used to say because... Wait, his name is not Frank Black? Charles? Frank Bla Black Francis, he's Frank Black when he's solo, and then he's Charles to his, his kids. Oh, <laughs> so okay. Pick your, I didn't know yeah. that. I like yeah. that guy. <laughs> but, you know, he would talk about how, you know, the, the people held the Pixies to that, you know, their their early years, that sound, and he goes... He gonna say, oh, it's almost like you have to try to make yourself sound like you, whatever you're doing was an accident, you know, to appease people. Yeah. And I feel like that would become harder. Yeah, exactly. Like you can have a moment of inspiration. Yeah, it's hard to recreate. Like some shit just comes out good because that's what you happen to be doing that day. Like it's almost like wind. Like it was blown the right direction. It came out good. 
but that's harder to recreate I think, or impossible. You have to do it until it feels good or whatever. And we'll be right back right after this. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with The Hives. Well, you know, I, I do want to bring up some of the songs. Uh, and it, it's interesting, just the beginning of the record, and maybe this is what you all are talking about, because when you sequence it and it becomes something that maybe it wasn't beforehand, but having bogus operandi going into trapdoor situation, it, it really sets up sort of a macabre beginning, which is a very funny macabre beginning, but but there's a little bit of that darkness there. And, and you know, so maybe that's it. What's What's the story you're telling? they're telling different stories the two different stories <laughs> but i guess like in a sequencing way it felt a lot of hype albums start out with a really short intense song and then we play like a hit or what we consider a hit like this sounds like something people might like and we have a few records where we swap it so it's like starts with the hit which is, and then you the second one is like the insane like nuts energy shock but we like i love the way the album starts with that Focus of Randa intro is amazing, I think. And that was not what it sounded like at all at the beginning. Like it took a, a lot of versions to get to just going boom. There were versions with drums and without and whatnot. Like it, it sounds simple, but it, it took us a long time to figure it out. But that was the coolest way to start the first record after 11 years. Just going bam with the distortion pedal. It kind of starts with that feed. We want you react to feedback in guitar. That's how it starts, you know, it just goes, and then it. We don't has have hits. And usually we don't have distortion on the guitars. We don't, it's pretty clean guitars, so they don't really feed back in a cool way. I don't know if this is getting too technical, but our guitar sounds usually just go, Wee! like a bad PA system. If you get that smooth sort of Wee! <laughs> heavy metal feedback, you got to get different amps and shit. Like, got to get them. We got a Marshall stack for the first time, I think, on a Hives record. Or maybe not the first time. First time in first time with a cranked Marshall stack. It felt like, yeah, that's <laughs> rock and roll. It's funny. <laughs> well, at least the, at least the feeling of lyrics then uh, reflected the uh, the idea of rock and roll, and it did. It, it's so fun, and 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 that goes throughout the record. I mean, you know, the bomb. You're listening to the bomb. That's not terribly mature, is it? Not every song, I, and I'm not saying this does or doesn't have something to say, but it's a, it makes me think like not every song has to have something to say. Some songs are just might be just fun it kind of works like poetry sometimes it's just the way the words make you feel in combination with the music that is like the message not it it's not literally like the, that guy's a bomb and he's also a bomb like that's not it's not about how you feel listening to it but weirdly that the bomb song which sounds like to me it sounds like something somebody just came up with we spent years on that thing yeah. there were a million Probably versions of that years too. It was like one of the hardest songs to get right. And it definitely doesn't seem like that. Like, it doesn't sound like the hives are spending their time wisely, exactly. <laughs> but it is. It's important that that song was like that and took all those turns, I guess. That's interesting. And by the way, that line, which I, I, I bring up, I had to grab my phone because my wife and I now text the line to each other. The, it, it, do I have the right? What don't you want to not don't want to do? I don't even know myself anymore. It was a lot of back and forth, <laughs> a lot of triple and quadruple negations. Like how you pull that off live? Yeah, that's that's the that'd be it's it's a tightrope. We haven't tried yet. We'll see. <laughs> uh, speaking of, by the way, live. Uh, I I want to quickly bring up as we're getting to the end here, um, because the show's 
have been selling out in like this this record amount of time and you all have this reputation you know been called one of the greatest live bands in the world that you continue to be hopefully that's again probably just something that comes natural but but knowing that you have that reputation i don't know are you allowed an off night is, is there a little bit of pressure no we did our last or some of our last couple of shows we played during a heat wave in italy and greece I don't know. I don't know the commercial, but like I guess like 110-ish degrees in the shade or something. So it's like standing in a hairdryer in like a polyester suit and doing karate kicks and screaming. It's like it feels like there almost might be permanent, like a permanent problem with you after that. And we don't. I mean, we don't have a another gear than full tilt. It just hurts differently at different times. Well, just knowing what you guys still pull off. Uh, it, it is incredible, and I don't know that many bands are just doing what you guys still do out there. Do you do you still see do you do you, do you guys watch live music? Do you, do you see other bands? Yeah, yeah, all the time. And I don't think anyone's doing what we're doing. Uh, but yeah, I see a lot of great live bands, but they're very. There was some band, the, the drums. It's a band we met on tour in Australia. We met them in South America, and I was eating breakfast, and one of the guys came up to me and was like. Whatever it is you're doing, no one else is really doing that. I'm like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. Sounds like a good place. But it, I think it's also because it's it's a, a you know it's taken us a very long time to get good at it, and it's hard and it's weird and it's it's not for everybody, I guess. But in our little niche thing, we're it basically. I love it. I love what you guys do. I love this record. I'm hoping there's a trend. I was just thinking about the uh, the death of Randy Fitzsimmons and, and Blur just released the Ballad of Darren and. They don't have anything to do with each other, but then again, uh, that's a trend, you know, with rock bands. I, I, I'm in, I'm in for that as well. Something about those song titles. But um, thank you guys, thank you guys for uh, for continuing to do what you do, and and I so appreciate you taking the time to talk about it. Thanks for noticing. Thank you very much. It means a lot, yeah. man. Thank you so much. And my thanks to the Hives, the death of Randy Fitzsimmons. It's out now. Thanks to you for checking out the episode. Again, please do hit that subscribe button while you're hanging around so you can get all of the interviews that we put out every single week. It's a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So again, a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover those new ones uh, at all the usual spots, including Spotify and Apple Podcast at NPR, WFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from. You can subscribe to Kyle Meredith with... And then after that, head over to WFPK.org. It's where I do a show Monday through Friday, starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. You get four hours of the biggest in new music, the best in new music, I should say. Uh, also, some great classics. We do anniversary spins. There's lots of music news, bonus interviews. Uh, one of my recent shows had the music of 80s U2. We did Morphine, Pulp. The Doors, Joni Mitchell, Moon Taxi, Bob Mould, Olivia Dean and Leon Bridges, The Ills, Elliot Smith, Jeff Buckley, Black Joe Lewis, The Chili Peppers, Deer Tick, Ike and Tina, Jurassic 5, Biba Doobie, Sufian Stevens, Lucinda Williams, R.E.M., Joan Jett, The Gaslight Anthem, Sharon Van Etten, Veruca Salt, Grace Potter, Father John Misty, Bell and Sebastian, and my interview with Ian Hunter of Mata Hoople. That's just an example of what you get every weeknight at 6 p.m. at wfpk.org. Consequence has your music and film news. Of course, you can also find me on the social media spots, uh, any of them, any of the social media spots. The address is at Kyle Meredith. So I do hope you like and follow along. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time.
Consequence Podcast Network. It's very small cup of coffee for an American. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media.